It's prelim finals time on Inside the NRL. Coming up on today's show, they won the West, but can the Panthers now take down the game's best? The Sea Eagles soared through the semis, so how does Supercoach Wayne Bennett prepare to take down Tom Trebojevic? And the West Tigers board meets to decide the future of under-fire coach Michael McGuire. And then there were four. Yes, the countdown is on to the best two weeks of rugby league action for season 2021. Hello and welcome to Inside the NRL. I'm Zach Bailey, joined by 2010 Premiership winner Jamie Soward. Hey, Zach. How are you? Good. Should I, I feel like I should have some breaking news or something sitting here. Well, you are in the uh, Newsbreakers uh, chair right now because Michael Chamis today is joining us remotely from his breaking news den. Michael, good to have you with us. Zach, Sowie, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's, I can't believe my head's bigger than Sowie's. I never thought I'd oh, see today. <laughs> full of sledges, even though he's working remotely today. Uh, as we revealed there in the headlines, there's some uh, action, I guess, taking place with the West Tigers at the moment. We'll keep you updated if any news comes to hand on that throughout the show. But let's focus on the footy. What a contest Saturday night. It doesn't get much better than the Eels taking on the Panthers in a sudden-death semi-final. Jamie Soward, 8-6 scorelines. All this year the talk's been about blowouts, 40-point uh, winning scorelines, six agains. But as a purist, how much or how badly did you enjoy that game? I loved it. I loved it. It wasn't the most perfect game in terms of execution and skill in terms of attack, but desperation, defence, it was all there on show in the Battle of the West. This is what we expected, a tight clash, two teams that had a point to prove. Penrith on this amazing run to try and get back to the grand final to go one step better, and then Parramatta, the storylines around their coach, can they get up for this game? And they did that. Uh, and both teams had their chances, Zach, but I felt like watching it and at the end, you know, and then watching it again, they both tried not to lose it. Like, there wasn't too much, you know, second phase. And when they got behind Parramatta, they didn't really try and chance their arms. So, but it was exciting to watch. Not just because of the closeness of the score, the physicality and everything that was on the line. It was a real semi-final game. Well, the stats show that it was the most intense game of the year and especially since Origin. A lot of the players since that match have said that they haven't been a part of a game like that probably since last year's grand final against the Melbourne Storm. So, is Ivan Cleary concerned? Let's find out. We're in a prelim. I mean, it's uh, we're fine. Like we're the two one thing. We're battle hardened. So um, we got yeah, we got young legs, and yeah, we'll be right next week. So Ivan Cleary not concerned in the post-match press conference over the weekend. Michael Chamis, do you believe the Panthers still have some juice in their legs, or are you concerned about their chances in the prelims? Well, no doubt the last few weeks will take its toll, but I, I think going into this game against the Melbourne Storm, which a game that no one's expecting to win. I think it'll help Penrith because I don't know about you guys, but it looks to me that Penrith have been weighed down by the burden of expectation. They are bouncing around like they were last year when they came into the final series, just happy to be there. They were buzzing. To me, it seems like they're just the expectation and uh, feeling around the club and their and this premiership window is starting to, you know, you can see it's a burden on the shoulders of some of these young guys. And I think going in the, into the Storm game, allowing them to come in without that expectation will do wonders for the likes of Jerome Lua, who we said last week, looks tired on the back of a, a big year origin series. Uh, I think this will actually help Penrith. Do you agree, Sally? No, I, yeah, I think Melbourne with the week off, heavy, heavy favourites. The, the thing for Penrith is 
the last couple of years they've they've had this way of changing their attack on the run and I really think they missed Trent Barrett in terms of making those little adjustments because the last five finals games they've conceded the first try now their defense after that is is sensational. They've found a way to be able to win those games and get into the grand final last year, but you can't do it week after or year after year and expect to get the same results. So right now I'm watching a Penrith side that yeah, throughout the year, like passes like that, Mumrovsky should have scored that. You know, they, they just don't know how to take their chances at the moment. Defensively, yes, they are very, very strong and sound, but they haven't been tested like they're going to get tested on, on Saturday night. You know, this is a huge game for Penrith. I feel like Chamis and, and Zach, that they may have um, you know, missed the opportunity last year, and that's what's been weighing on them. And just on the Panthers, you, you mentioned their attack there. A lot, of, a lot of critics are saying that it looked clunky, Sowie, but... Uh, 28 points they average throughout the regular season and they've only scored two tries off kicks in the finals so far this year. So what does that say to you about their attack and where they're at? They look stressed. They look really stressed where they don't know how to adjust those game plans. This is what I'm saying with Trent Barrett. You had someone last year who was able to just tinker with things at halftime, maybe change a few things. I'd like to see Kickout start the game. I think that has to be really important for Penrith and the way that they were bouncing around. He's such a presence on that left edge and I reckon he gets the best out of Jerome Lua and they like playing together. Some guys just gel a little bit wet well, a bit better together uh, to be able to, to get that start. But they need Viliame Kikau. The other person for me, boys, is Appy Coruscant. Mm. He's not running from dummy half. He's not generating the ruck speed that they need. And that's allowing whoever they play to get on top, like South Sydney did. Then they bring Burgess and Arrow into the middle and they can't get that momentum back and they find it really, really hard. Now, can they fix it all in one week? We'll have to wait and see. They do have the talent there. But Melbourne with a week off, it's very hard. Michael, uh, 29 degrees, Suncorp Stadium, Saturday afternoon, not night action between the Storm and the Panthers. Does that give even more favouritism to Melbourne, given they've had the week off? Yeah, have, you not, have you never been to Penrith, Zach? I thought you were the voice of Penrith. That 29 degrees, we don't get that in winter. Don't, give, don't make this about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I, I think, look, maybe from the fatigue point of view, as Sowie said, the week off is going to be, it's going to do wonders for the Melbourne Storm. But playing in those conditions, the Penrith Panthers would be accustomed to having a whole preseason in 40, 45 degree heat. So I don't think that's an issue. However, you're right, the, the, the fatigue factor on the back of pretty gruelling games against the Rabbits last week and then, uh, sorry, a fortnight ago and then again the Eels last week. It's going to come in, mate, look, the back half of, of the game that the last 20 minutes. It's probably going to be a factor, but uh, you'd like to think that Penrith, having the preseason where they do out west, they they'll be well equipped to handle the heat. Okay, so we so with all of that analysis in mind, is it going to be a blowout or is it going to be a really tight slugfest like we saw between the Panthers and the Eels? Well, it could go two ways. If Penrith come out and jump the gates against Melbourne, which have had tendencies in the last two years, even when they won the competition, they do make some errors inside their own half to start the game. And I think Craig Bellamy's been aware of that. If Penrith are able to jump out of the gates and score first, I think it'll be really, really tight. But if Melbourne, you know, a little inside ball from Munson at a Pappenhausen or Brandon Smith gets over the advantage line, they pump one into them early like they did uh, against Manly a couple of weeks ago, Melbourne, it might be a long afternoon. Michael, there was some uh, late controversy in that match between the Panthers and the Eels regarding a trainer. What's the latest uh, when it comes to the punishment for the Panthers? Yeah, look, we reported today in the Sydney Morning Herald the NRL was investigating it. Uh, the trainer at the centre of the investigation is the physio there, Pete Green. He was actually one, if you cast your mind back to round 14, Cronulla versus Penrith at Cogra, and Viliami Kikau pulled up on the sideline. The game stopped with Cronulla on the attack. Now, he was issued a show cause notice 
back then. Uh, is obviously now another incident here. The rules state that under the NRL's operation manual, the trainer can only call for time off after an initial assessment. Now, the footage the NRL has seen indicates that the trainer, none of the Panthers trainers were even on, on the field when time was called off. Therefore, there is breach of rules. Now, it's one thing to say that Panthers deliberately cheated, but I think there's evidence there to suggest that they did breach the rules and now the punishment will be up to the NRL and, and CEO Andrew Abdo, whether that's just going to be a fine or whether Pete Green, the physio there, will be suspended for that game against the Storm at Suncorp on Saturday. All right, watch this space. No doubt Michael will be all across that. The story was a lot different on Friday night as Manly beat the Roosters, who were so, so brave this year. Sowie, a lot of people expected that result. What did you learn about Manly on Friday night? Yeah, I said last week, I felt like the Melbourne loss was the loss they needed to have. And they had they were very excited. I felt like they were a lot more controlled with what they tried to do. Their young back rowers got into the game early. Morgan Harper had a nightmare against Justin Olam. He got involved. So their key players got involved and I felt like they tempered it. This man through the middle, Dylan Walker, could be a real X factor on Friday night. If South Sydney you know, get loose through the middle, he may be able to just you know uh, slice through them and cause some havoc. So I just felt like... Lachlan Croker, he's not a big name, but he just settled everyone down. Having a normal number nine there, the calls were right, and their forwards stood up. Two guys that stood up, Sean Kepi and then Marty Tapao when he carried it on. That was the momentum that South had against Penrith. They started with uh, Totola, and then they brought Burgess and Arrow on. So Sean Kepi on the weekend was probably one of the best players on the field. So Manly, no doubt, will uh, come out of that result sky high in terms of confidence. But when, when it's a 42-6 sc- scoreline in a semi-final. It's not a real test. So what how, What do they take from that match into the South... I know it's a semi-final, but what do they take? It's a step up to another gear. They have to. Yeah, they have to, but I don't think you can discount what the Roosters, you know, how hard that opposition was. You know, they jumped out of the gates on uh, on Friday Manly. They do have to go up another level. I think they realise themselves that they have enough points in them. Defensively, how do they stop defensively? Because there were chances in that game where the Roosters, if they had had Kiri and maybe Joey Manu, that may, may have caused the upset because they got opportunities. They just weren't good enough on the night. But I think they know they've got enough points. It's what happens if they get punched in the mouth early like they did against Melbourne. Do they have enough adjustments to be able to roll down. If they win the forward battle and they can get DCE, Foran and Tom Trebojevic in space inside the opposition 20, they're going to go a long way to win the game. Michael, uh, as a journalist, you love the headline. Flat track bullies, that's what Ryan Girdler, 2003 Premiership winner, labelled Manly. Is that criticism unfair? Yeah, look, I, look, I love Gerd. Gerd spent time with him on Triple M and uh, look, value his opinion, but I think a little bit unfair on the, uh, the Manly Seagulls. No doubt the, the results speak for themselves. They haven't had a big a big scalp, uh, you know. If you count the rooster, uh, depleted roosters on the weekend, that's probably their first big scalp in a while. Now, uh, it's irrelevant what has happened in the past because they'll be judged by what happens this week against the South Sydney side. That you know, a lot of us gave very little chance without Latrell Mitchell. Now, obviously, Tom Trebojevic there uh, in fine form. I think there was a, a pretty interesting uh, statistic brought up during the week that when Tom Trebojevic has a six-day gap or less in games, his impact is is very, very significantly diminished, whereas he gets seven days or more, he is actually at, you know, at his best in that time. So Manly will get that seven-day rest. They'll play, they'll play on uh, on Friday night. And I think you know, if Tom Trebojevic, you know, whether they're flat-track bullies or not, they're used to being sledge Manly. So, oh, so you got, you're uh, laughing. Yeah, oh, please, a seven-day rest. Hello, it's a prelim final. Can, can we give the uh, innocuous stats a rest? 
Do you know which side he sleeps on as well? The thing, look. As long as the bathroom tiles aren't slippery wherever he's staying. If the forward pack muscle up like they did the other night and get Tom in space, that's going to give Manly an opportunity, regardless of how he's feeling. If he's worried about six or seven day rest going into the game and then blames that if he doesn't play well, seriously, come that's, on. Well, that's not coming from top to boy. I'm just, just saying. That's some of the stats that in the last couple of weeks. I'm just saying. Okay, well, speaking of Tom Trebojevic, he, <laughs> after a quiet night against Melbourne, he was close to his best against Sowie. Now, you played under the super coach who led the Dragons to a premiership in 2010. What will his messaging be to the Bunnies this week about trying to stop Turbo? Does he, does he really hone in and focus on one marquee man? He does, and it's going to come down to pretty much if the forward pack, as I said, can get up there and get out of trouble off the back of you know, Reynolds and Walker pinning him down there with the kicking game, that's going to get Tom in the game. But... You look at the great coaches in any sport. If they have a week, two weeks to prepare, it's going to be really hard for Manly because I think about if you're Manly right now and you're Tom Trebojevic, you're probably not thinking it, but Melbourne did a job on you. And if, they, if South Sydney come out in the first 15 minutes and they limit Tom's involvement and they make someone else in that side beat them, can everyone else step up to the level and be able to do that? We'll have to wait and see. But Reynolds kicking game versus Tom Trebojevic bringing it back. Wayne would have something special for him. Now, Don't be surprised if there's a little short kick early. Okay, this is Wayne Bennett's last year with South Sydney. He's returning to Brisbane next year. We don't know why just yet. He could take over the 17th team if it's uh, introduced to the NRL in a couple of years. So, Sowie, is this the last time we might see NR, uh, Wayne Bennett have a crack at an NRL grand final? <sighs> well, the uncertainty around his future makes me say yes, but... I mean, it's enticing. If a lot of Queenslanders don't play in Queensland at the moment, they'd want to go back to that new team. So, oh, I don't want to go against you, Wayne. I know you're a big fan of the show. Um, I think so. Mm. I think so. Sad time. Given you're, what he's done in the game. Sally. You think he's going to uh, get back it, there? Yeah, well, look, this Queensland team, when you consider if it comes in in 2023 or 2024, if Wayne Bennett is the coach, they're going to be lining up to go up at, up there. Forget about quarantine periods. They'll quarantine for six months if they get to play under Wayne Bennett and at a new team that's going to be have a whole buzz around it and a whole city around it. I, I think that yeah. he'll, he'll assemble a pretty good team, and especially when you consider he's going to finish with South Sydney this year and then have at least 12 months to assemble a roster. Yeah. But that roster is going to be red hot when he puts it together. So they have I just, think as soon as that new team gets off the ground, they're, they're going to be... Uh, they have, going to be they have the same amount of salary cap as everyone else and guys will be tied into... Lo- you don't think everyone's going to be coming off contract at that time to try and snap out that money. There's limited talent at the moment in the NRL. You know, the championship window is only open for a small amount of teams. You can't just assemble the best out of every roster and go up there to Brisbane and win a title. Michael, let's focus on the here and now. Wayne Bennett against Des Hasler, two of the great characters. As a journo, what do you expect to see out of both of these men this week? Not much, to be honest, Zach. I think they'll play this one with a straight bat. There won't be any fireworks in the pregame. As much as we would love it, I think both teams, and I think Des Hasler knows you don't want to take on Wayne Bennett. And I think there's a lot of respect on the other end. I think Wayne Bennett to Des Hasler as well. There's... These guys have been at it for two decades now and uh, have proven themselves with, with multiple premierships between them. I don't think the, I don't expect this to get into a slanging match in the media. I expect this to be played out for 80 minutes with, on, on the weekend and then we'll be, uh, we'll be on to the grand final without much fanfare in regards to uh, what we saw a couple of weeks ago with Ivan and Wayne Bennett. It might only be Ivan Cleary within the media this week because we won't hear from Craig Bellamy. We won't hear from uh, the other side of the match. He might be carrying both matches. 
Des Hasler flying under the radar with his Seagulls? I don't think so. You're into a prelim, Des, after starting the season 0-4. All right, it's time now for the all-important casualty board brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. And the Panthers have a host of stars who are hoping to be fit for Saturday's prelim final. Most of the concern surrounds Viliami Kikau and Mitch Kenny, who both suffered ankle injuries against the Eels. They're waiting on scan results. Kenny was on crutches today. If he is unavailable, Tyrone May is tipped to be ready to return from his knee injury. Origin winger Brian To'o remains in some doubt with a minor ankle complaint. That's what it's being described as at the moment. It's sidelined in from last week's semi. He's still in a moon boot. Captain and gun halfback Nathan Cleary is managing his shoulder concern, although he did say, I've got a couple of bumps and bruises, but I'll be right to go. Now to the storm, Josh Adokar will be a huge in. The winger has confirmed he will return from a hamstring injury against the Panthers. Melbourne hooker, meanwhile, Brandon Smith said he will also be a certain starter after narrowly avoiding a, a face fracture against Manly in week one of the finals. He said he uh, shed a tear in the sheds after suffering that injury. All right, time to revisit the report card, starting with the Parramatta Eels. Uh, for the first, fourth time, rather, in five years, they've made it to week two of the finals. They failed to make it to a prelim, though. They haven't done that since way back in 2009. With that in mind, Sowie, how do you rate their season? I had it in the Bs if they were able to win that game. I, I think... I don't know how, but they've sort of underachieved this year. I think that this squad had to go to week three and find a way. Uh, the, the loss of Reid Marnie on the weekend was evident to see how much he means to that side. So uh, I would say C+, plus, but it, it could have been more because they should have won that game. Michael, is that a bit harsh, C+. Plus? Yeah, I think it's a bit harsh. I've gone with a B. I think that... In the last couple of years, you've got to the finals and Parramatta have bowed out in week two and you've, you've, you've sat there and thought there's still, some, there's still something left in the tank. You're left there as a Parramatta fan thinking, where is the Parramatta that I know that we could produce? Now, I don't think you could say that after the weekend. The way they played against the, the Panthers, they left nothing in the tank. They were gutsy, they were courageous. And all this talk about mentally weak, which they did show throughout that back half of the season, it shows the character and the, uh, I guess, the strength of the team to turn it around when the going is tough and to produce the performances that they did in the last month to beat Melbourne, which is no easy feat. I don't think there was anything too flash in that Newcastle game yet. They still got the job done and then took Penrith to the wire. I know everyone's saying that Penrith are falling, but both teams that Penrith played in those uh, in those two weeks there, the Rabbitohs and the Eagles played two of their better games of the year, if not their best games of the year, to, to be in that contest late in the game. So I think Parramatta deserves some credit for turning it around. Brad Arthur deserves credit for making sure that the Eagles didn't embarrass themselves, embarrass themselves in the final. So I imagine the result... For at least another year. I'll change it to a B minus, but <laughs> oh, I convinced yourself. Yeah, what you, about you that? convinced me. But if they had played like that two months ago, when there was the, you know that effort and want and desire, they would have won that game because they would have known that they had it in the tank. You know, the win against Melbourne sort of took everyone by surprise, and then they had the week off, which stored their momentum. Then they play like that against Newcastle. If you know that you've got that in the tank, when you get into these games, it's OK. You can make those little adjustments and win that game. So, yeah, I would like to have seen it a couple of months earlier for Parramatta. Michael, a lot has been said about the future of Brad Arthur. Given their results this season, a semi-final finish again, do you expect the Eels to stick with their coach next year? And if they do, do you expect them to announce him extending his stay so that if they were to have a slow start next year, there's not talk again about Brad Arthur's future? 
Yeah, it's it's probably a good point, Zach. Yeah, if if they don't extend him, then this continues for twelve months, and uh, even if they make the decision that they're going to see out twenty twenty two with Brad Arthur as coach, you're constantly asking the question. Well, I know I will be. What's going to happen in twenty twenty three? That's the nature of the beast, unfortunately. And Parramatta aren't silly; they'll be well aware of that. Now, if they decide that Brad Arthur is the right man to continue, which on what we've seen on the weekend, there's no evidence to suggest that he's lost the playing group or that he can't get the job done in big games, even though they obviously fell short. But there's enough there to suggest this team can improve. I think they have improved over the course of the last few years. It may not be at the rate that the club wants it to, but what do you do, Zach and Sowie? Do you move Brad Arthur on for who? Like Wayne Bennett's not coming to the Parramatta Reels. He's got his eyes firmly set on the Queensland expansion team. If you move Brad Arthur on, you need to have someone who's going to take them to a premiership. There's not a coach sitting out there who will take the job and you'd be guaranteed to, to know that they will take them a step further than Brad Arthur has. So, yes, I take their point and I don't begrudge the club for looking at other options or considering whether they should look at other options. But I think the option they have in front of them is the best one at this point in time. Michael, if there's no Bellamy, if there's no Robinson, if there's no Bennett available, I think Brad Arthur is the man to lead them forward. Uh, the Roosters, meanwhile, they faced and overcame so much adversity in season 2021. It was one of the bravest efforts in recent memory. Michael, what do you rate their year? Uh, look, I think look with the Roosters, yeah, it's obviously unfair to, to, to judge them on their performances. We all thought they'd go close to... Uh, to winning a comp, they didn't get as close as we'd like, but I'd give them an A. I, I, I know that their results probably don't say that, uh, finishing in week two of the finals, but gee, what an effort. But what they've gone through, even Trent Robinson said he's never had a season quite like this. Uh, yeah, to, to me, extraordinary effort to continue throughout the season and be hovering around that fourth and fifth period all year, considering the injuries they've had, going through a representative period as well with their captain, James Tedesco, out. Incredible effort from the Roosters. Uh, I think that, uh, I think someone said over the weekend, their, their premiership window, they may have lost the, the likes of Jake Friend and Cooper Cronk and Boyd Cordner, but they well and truly started a, a new generation with Joey Sawali and, and Sam Walker and the like. A plus for me. I can't believe that Trent Robinson was still able to, to get into the second week of the finals. You talk about you know, the adversity they went through, the retirements. You know, that's hard enough, let alone losing one of your best players in Luke Keery in round three. And I think this holds them in good stead for the next five years. You know, I could see them back in the grand final in the next probably three years, inside that three years. The experience that Sam Walker got, you know, the growth of, of Drew Hutchison. You've seen Baker, uh, Fletcher Baker come into the team, Egan Butcher. All these young guys, the next generation, usually it takes years for teams to clear out roster and all this kind of stuff and replenish. They've had to do it on the run this year. They've still been competitive. They won eight out of their last ten going into the final on the weekend. And they now they start to get some of their stocks back going in the next year. Fantastic. So you say their premiership window is still open next year and you mentioned him as well. Sam Walker, is he 100% your number seven next year? And if he is, what does he have to nail in the preseason to make sure he's ready to go and to see out a full year? He's not. I think it'll be Luke Keary and Drew Hutchison that start the six and seven next year. I, I think Trent Robinson will ease him into the contact again, uh, knowing that he is a small frame, but he still has a lot to learn. If you watch Sam Walker's games this year, the stats read fantastic, but if you watch the full 80 minutes, there's still some under 20s, under, you know, under 25 halfback errors that we're still seeing there. So I think Trent Robinson will be looking to try and match Drew Hutchison, big body, can kick the ball a mile up with Luke Keary and the class that he has, three-time premiership winner. So I think they'll start, but more weight for, for Sam Walker, plus another pre-season to get the body right. He's already had shoulder injury. I think he'll start with Hutchison and Cleary. Uh, 
All right. Uh, there was some talk today that the West Tigers board would be holding a meeting to determine the future of under-fire coach Michael Maguire. Michael Chamis, what is the latest on this drama at Concord? Because there are now reports that there is no meeting. Yeah, look, it's a never-ending saga, unfortunately, with the West Tigers and coach Michael Maguire. The writing has been on the wall for a number of weeks since that 38-0 loss to the Bulldogs in the last round. Now, there was a, a meeting scheduled this afternoon for 4 p.m. However, people obviously, uh, there were, as you said, there have been reports that that may not have happened. The club was supposed to meet. It's unclear what has been the outcome from that meeting, if it happened at all. So look, the, the conjecture around Michael Maguire uh, has been red hot for a number of weeks. And I think the club owes it to Michael Maguire and the fans to, to rip the mandate off if they decide to go in another direction or stick with Michael Maguire. I think they've been now two, two and a half weeks or two weeks out of the competition decision needs to be made sooner at, at least a decision on whether michael mcguire will be there next year or not then they can if they decide to move on then they look at the other options is it cameron seraldo is it christian wolf is it shane flanagan these conversations need to start happening at the west tigers pre-season's only six weeks away so you need to the, the other key thing is uh, recruitment and retention is on hold until they decide what to do so you'd imagine in the next 24 hours there'd be a decision but like I said, things are evolving constantly at the moment. OK, so with all that in mind, you said the, the sponsors, the fans, the players, everyone there, Mike Maguire in particular, want an answer. Do you think the, an answer will be imminent on this situation with the West Tigers? Yeah, look, I, look I, I imagine there was going to be a decision tonight. Now, I'm not sure what's happened in that meeting or if there was a reason to call that meeting off. If it was called off, I've been on the show when that, show, uh, when that meeting was supposed to occur. Now, I'll find out after, but on my understanding of the situation was something is imminent in the next 24 hours. And then if it's not today, I imagine tomorrow we'll have a, a decision on Michael Maguire. If not, the question's going to be started to be asked of the West Tigers. What are they doing in regards to their coach? All right, Michael Chamis, always bringing us the latest news. Of course, he works for the Sydney Morning Herald. It's time now for Hit or Miss. First one, the real premiership decider is this Saturday night. So basically saying that this year's premiers will come out of the Storm and Panthers match, Sowie. Uh, it's a bit disrespectful, isn't it? But they're one and two. I'll say hit. I think that you know, if Penrith are able to beat the Melbourne Storm, their confidence just goes through the roof and they're able to go on with a job a week later, having been in that situation. Plus if Melbourne win, you know, it's like Groundhog Day. They just go back to... Uh, yeah, to playing in another grand final. So we felt like that in 2010, that the, the way that the draw had worked out, that the prelim final between us and the Tigers uh, was, was probably the grand final decider, um, knowing that we're probably the two better teams. So, you know, they finished one and two for a reason. I think that's a uh, hit. And before week one of the finals, we thought this would be the yeah. grand final in uh, almost two weeks' time. Michael, do you agree? It's a, it's a hit for me. I think the Panthers, the start of the year, if you said to them, uh, you have to, well, they, they, they would have known to win a premiership, you have to beat Melbourne. I think they're probably happy that it's, uh, you'd, you'd rather, well, they're not happy, but you'd rather play Melbourne in a prelim than a, a grand final. So if they're good enough, they're going to get the job done. And for Melbourne, I, I just think that if they get this through this game, they will cruise to a, a grand final victory. They, I know that the, the competition ladder doesn't show their dominance, but they have been far and away the best team in the competition. Anything can happen on the day, uh, but yeah, I, I don't see South Sydney or, or Manly troubling the Melbourne Storm. Chamus, you just said something there that had Sowie with his head in his hand. You'd rather play Melbourne in a prelim than in a grand final. So you'd rather take your chance in a semi-final than try and play him in a grand final. 
you, you, you'd like your chances. That's the, I've spoken to people at Penrith, and that's what they've said. If you if you if you have the option of playing Melbourne in a prelim in a grand final, and we all know what grand finals are like. Don't roll your eyes, here. We big games. Are yeah, I know what grand finals are like. All right. So just so, yeah, yeah, so well, does, tell me, are they refereeing differently? Are, is the whistle in the pocket? Origins, mate, grand finals. Mel, they wouldn't it's, care it's whether they Melbourne. had to play Melbourne in the grand final or on the moon. All right. They want to get back to the grand final. Okay, seriously, come do on, you, mate. Do you, do you not want to know what people... Get some air into the out. bunker there, wherever you're sitting. <laughs> All right, got, bunker, to, right? <laughs> got to move on. Panthers are still the hot topic here. Uh, there was a bit of confusion late in the Panthers-Eels match when Tavita Pangai Jr. was subbed on for Mitch Kenny. Now, it was uh, free to change because of a reportable offence earlier in the match. Now, with that in mind, the NRL interchange rules must be reviewed. Michael? Uh, yeah, I think they need to look at it. I don't know what the alternative is, Zach. I don't know how in this day and age when we're trying to protect players and, and place an emphasis and ensuring clubs take concussions seriously, you cannot have a deterrent for, for teams to not take players off to be assessed. I don't know what the answer is, but we need to look at it. You're right. There's something that needs to be assessed in regards to the way we treat concussions from providing fairness to the game. Sally? Hit, massive hit. You can't have a free interchange right at the death like that when power on the attack, but that's a different story. I think yeah, if you go off and get assessed for foul play, you should have to pass some sort of test, but come back on in a certain amount of minutes, like you would a HIA. Otherwise, you can just sit on the sideline like you know, uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. there and then come back in you know, whenever needed by the coach, and it's a free interchange. OK. Uh, Friday night, Victor Radley and Sean Kepi, they got in a little bit of a scuffle after a scrum in their semi-final. Now, the word from the official bunker... Um, review and the match review committee said they could not determine if a punch was thrown. We've got the vision here. Uh, that This is the only camera angle which showed the pair coming together. So Victor Radley is lucky <laughs> to be free to play in round one next year, Sally. This got me hot under the collar and in a good way. I love this stuff. <laughs> I never want to be punched. We in don't the face, endorse, but I'd love to do it with Chemis. Ah, that's a punch for all money. So um, <laughs> I love Victor Radley. Hit. He's a lucky man, isn't he? He's a lucky man. He's also a good player. Sowie, um, Chemis. <laughs> well, he wants to hit me, and then you're calling me Sowie. The insults just keep flying at me at the moment. But uh, I think yeah, yeah, he's lucky. I think we all saw what we saw. Um, he's been in a lot of trouble, Victor Radley, this year. Oh, I don't mind that one slipping through the uh, slipping past the keeper for four buys. Okay, and uh, very Penrith heavy theme today on this show, but they are one of four teams remaining. Uh, Panthers CEO Brian Fletcher is confident Viliami Kikau will remain with the club for the next three or four years. So, Sowie, Viliami Kikau will re-sign with the Panthers, hit or miss? Miss. Salary cap pressure. They've got it. They've upped a couple of players recently. I don't know, you know, Villy gets top money from other clubs, which he probably will. Uh, I don't see how the Penrith Panthers are going to be able to hold on to him. And, you know, this is a guy that probably would have dreamed of making the big bucks. He's one of the best back rails in the world. He's going to deserve top dollar. Michael? Yeah, it's a miss from me. I wouldn't be surprised if Philly Army Kikiao is not even... He's got a year to run. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not a Penrith next year. Uh, wow. At the end of the day, Penrith have got a lot of quality players there and they need to make sure that they keep them for long periods of time. And if... If Viliami uh, Kikau, which I don't begrudge him, is chasing the dollars, then that's going to be very hard for Penrith to keep him. He, he will not get what he's worth at Penrith if he decides but to But that's stay. the other thing as well. State of origin bonuses, Liam Martin, Isaiah Yo, Luai, Coruscant, yeah, Crichton, if he plays next year, that, that all bumps it up. So mm. it might push him out. All right. And finally, for hit or miss, the NRL has not seen the last of Blake Ferguson. Over to you, Michael. 
it's a miss for me. I think we have seen the last of Blake Ferguson, unfortunately. He's been a, a character of the game, a tremendous winger for a long period of time. Uh, it's a shame he you know, finishes on the note that he did this year, probably in and out of first grade. But look, I think he's still got a lot to offer, but uh, the money that will come uh, by rugby union overseas, maybe to too much for Fergo to refuse at this point in his life, at this point in his career. Sally? Hit. I think he'll try and get some money overseas, which he deserves. Uh, but, yeah, their seasons are short. We saw Jordan Rappiner come back. We never know what could happen. He might be half a season pick-up next year. I hope not. His reaction the other night was priceless. That's all I'll say. Sally, uh, champ or chump? Uh, champ and chump this week. Uh, it's not my mate in the screen here. Uh, the champ for me is Marty Tapao. Paid his 200th game on the weekend. But just what's on the sideline? The enthusiasm of whipping that Jason Saab home when he took uh, the ball and stride it out. I love that from the big fella. And, uh, yeah, he's a, a good mate of mine, Marty, uh, the Sydney Kings. And it was nice to see him win his 200th game. His first finals game win, Zach, which is yeah. unbelievable for a guy that's played 200 games. But... That's always cool when the big boys uh, get the house rocking. Watching that live, I, I wasn't sure whether Saab was looking at the Roosters bench, and I thought, geez, he's, he's very confident that he's going to make the next 60 70. Oh, but of course he was. He's, he's very, very fast. He is. He's very fast. <laughs> All right, who's your chump? Uh, my chump this week, a bit of, we've had Penrith theme. This is a bit of a, a manly theme. Uh, we've got Des Hasler as my chump this week. Uh, Des. You're in quarantine uh, up in Queensland. You're allowed to go and get a haircut. Let's have a look at his haircut here. He reminds me of a young Mel Gibson. <laughs> Have a look at that. That is just absolute chaos there. The hair is nice and thick. But even at the end when he goes into press conferences, he looks like he makes himself a bit more dishevelled, like he's a bit more stressed. So I'd like to see him just comb the hair a little bit or get it chopped. Now, Daily Cherry Evans said that uh, Desi, uh, he's known around rugby league, is a bit of a tight ass. That's not coming from me. And he said that Desi isn't getting his free haircuts in Sydney anymore. And he's asked a couple of the players if their barbers have been doing two-for-one cuts. So oh. he's essentially not cutting his hair because he doesn't want to pay for one. Can you imagine Devi, Desi with the line there and the fade, the fresh fade up the top? No. He needs a, a Hamoli Olakawatu cut. Oh, just short down the side. Business at the front, party at the back. Why not? Bring <laughs> it on. All right, Jamie, Michael, uh, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Inside the NRL. Michael, keep us up to date with all the uh, news out of Tiger Town, won't you? Yeah, no worries, Zach. I look forward to it. And we'll ho hopefully see you back in studio uh, next week. Thank you so much to everyone at home for watching again. I hope you enjoy the prelims this weekend. But first, tonight, part one of the Dally M Medal Awards Ceremony. It's over two nights, of course, this year. You can see it on Fox and Co from 7.30pm tonight. The Player of the Year will be crowned next week, but one player who will be taking home a gong tonight is Manly's Ruben Garrick. He finished as the highest point scorer across the regular season for 2021.